Hello and welcome to Canon Rent Sound of Play 238. Wednesday and Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Sound of Play 238 is another of our friends from the computer game show. <laughs> Not quite back to back, but uh, in the sense of back to back on my episodes, which I alternate with Leon. So it, it gets confusing, but it's been <laughs> not too long since we've heard David Turner. This is Mr. Sean Bell. Hello. Um, yeah, I mean, this This is because I started whining publicly about because Dave was on it and it made me <laughs> sad. I've not done it for a while. Um, and you kindly picked, the, picked that up and, <laughs> and invited me on. Because there's nothing worse than like people just inviting themselves on, on your show, right? It's the, not, not, it's, not that there's anything in, like wrong with it. It's just a, an not awkward that I've situation. I've never done that before. But no, no, no. We, we, um, <laughs> I've been there. 
<laughs> it's just it could be a, an awkward situation. Like, you know, I yeah, could yeah. I could volunteer, and then it turns out you you know because I know what you guys are like. You have like every six months planned out in advance, mm. so I don't like to, <laughs> don't like to butt in. I'm keen on rinse, but Sandler play we're really scraping. <laughs> but um yeah no it's i mean i i, I mean I, I forget how many of these i've done i think this is my sixth now yeah something like that has been uh you've been a fairly regular guest throughout yeah. the years yeah and it's it's always a, a pleasure although i'm now at the point that when i'm picking my songs i'm doing the you know control f on the the master list of all the songs <laughs> that have already been on yeah i'm like oh man who's already picked this song that i want oh it was me three years ago <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I see a lot of recent stuff in your selections, and so that's a mm. nice safe way of making sure that everything is uh, clear. So, you know, speaking of, you know, you and David coming on pretty mm. uh, recently, we've had James on as well in the yeah. past for part one of our Sonic the Hedgehog special. Um, never had Matt on. I've invited Matt on in the past, and his response was just like, yeah, I don't think I really have that strong of opinions about any video game music, which oh, I found really surprising. For <laughs> well, because the... One of the nice things about doing this show is that, you know, if you, it's like you, you can sort of decide how much you want to talk about the music or just the game, right? And how, mm-hmm. and how the, the music sort of intersects with that. Like if you, so if your music knowledge isn't amazing, it's not really a problem if you just want to talk about the game instead. And it kind of, you can cover, mm-hmm. cover yourself either way. Yeah. I've just, uh, I just never pictured Matt as the type who would kind of turn down a invitation to any podcast, but or a promotional right. opportunity as well. Like. <laughs> Absolutely. Might get a few other t-shirt worthy slogans uh, in the course of just, you know, talking for another hour and a half. Anyways, uh, we came into the show uh, listening to a piece of music from a uh, game that um, obviously meant a lot to you last year, so much so that mm. you decided to pull a uh, Putin and hack the election <laughs> in, in support of. Absolutely, absolutely innocent. Yeah. Um, no, we did get someone who confessed to that. We still don't know who it was, but we got a, an anonymous email <laughs> apologizing for the whole thing. Yeah, but that was... That That's was... terrific. That, that whole situation made the entire thing worth it, though. Oh, it was absolutely <laughs> bizarre. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, that was... Uh, we just Yeah, we just heard uh, Intruder in the Dark from uh, Black Future 88. So this is credited to... If you purchase the soundtrack from Bandcamp, it's credited to Skymelt, which is the name of the this sort of living tower that you're climbing mm. in the game. Um, I'm pretty sure it is actually Don Bellinger, who's the developer of the game. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, I went, so when Dave was on the other week, you were talking a lot about the, like, the Hotline Miami soundtrack. And like, obviously that's had a huge influence on, on a lot of game soundtracks since. Mm-hmm. And this is, yeah, the, you know, the, the soundtrack to Black Future AA is very much in a similar vein. It's that sort of 80s revival synthwave thing. But it's just... It's the it's the way it it fits the gameplay right because it, it's this incredibly fast paced action roguelike where um, you know you start the game and you have is it eighteen minutes to live I think and then your heart explodes so you're trying to you're basically trying to speed run it at all times pretty much um, mm. and it's just like you know because it's a roguelike you, you're picking up the, all, all these different abilities and stuff um, and it's about getting like a cool set of abilities that kind of synergize with each other right and and. So in a couple of like even just a couple of minutes into the game, you can be just constantly like dashing around, hitting things with swords, shooting things, teleporting around, and it's just absolutely insane. And this track that you've just heard, it's that that sort of synth choir that comes in about halfway through. So you know the song sort of slows down a bit, and then it comes back in with this this synth choir. And when that 
hits when like everything's really hectic and you've got like a you know super high combo mm. and just everything's exploding all over the screen. The spine tingles I get from that is just absolutely incredible. So I think although the soundtrack is the kind of thing we've heard a lot of over the last few years, I just think yeah, I just think it's it's brilliantly done and just fits the game so well. This is a game that I've been really wanting to pick up for a while now. I remember mm-hmm. seeing uh, they sent the trailer over when they did the announce uh, when I was at Nintendo. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Just from that like first trailer, you can tell there was such like a strong vision and the color scheme and yeah. the music and everything behind this game was so uh, so confident and strong. Yeah, and like because we've had you know there's there's been a lot of cyberpunk stuff kicking around lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's entirely thanks to CD Projekt Red or just because you know the, the cyberpunk reality is sort of becoming true mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> every day. Um, but it's. Yeah, uh, so you know, I used to it used to be that everything that came out that sort of looked a bit cyberpunk, I was really interested in. But now we, it's not a guaranteed success now, right? Mm-hmm. If something just because something is cyberpunk, there's there's been some some pretty duff cyberpunk games <laughs> as well. So I try not to be like, oh look, it's got the pixel art and the lasers and the the you know the synthwave soundtrack. But um, yeah, in this case, I was swayed, and it was well worth it. It's a really good game. So, is it the kind of roguelike like uh, the Binding of Isaac, where you're supposed to always be encountering new and bizarre weapons and then learning to adapt on the go, or is it more like Dead Cells, where everyone kind of has their favorite loadout that they're always kind of trying to work slowly towards throughout the run? It's yeah, it's more Dead Cells, I would say. Okay, you don't get because I know with Dead Cells you get some control over what you unlock, don't you? And you can buy things from shops and stuff. Mm-hmm. With Black Future, there's, there's there's a bit of that. There are there are shops. You kind of you're at, you're often at the mercy of the game in terms of what abilities you get, but then each time you know, each time you unlock an ability, there'll be a choice of like three or four different things to pick, right? So you're constantly thinking, well, which of these feeds into like best feeds into what I've already got. So like for example, I once ended up with a character who had a sword that whenever I dashed it for about two three seconds, it lit up and everything I hit with it would explode. Mm. But then I also had you know several upgrades to my dash that made it longer. And so that I had more dashes and so that um, when I dashed through things, it also dealt damage. And also if I dashed through bullets, it would occasionally heal me. So like I just <laughs> ended up with this character who was just dashing constantly and everything's just, <laughs> just exploding as I'm flying. <laughs> it's just it's so good. I'm in a, a bit of a weird spot with uh, with Dead Cells, actually, mm-hmm. on a slightly related topic where mm-hmm. I pretty much rinsed it on the Switch and mm-hmm. then I started it up again on PC, Xbox One through Game Pass mm-hmm. because I wanted the kind of higher frame rate and the yeah. higher fidelity and everything like that. And so starting from a fresh file and then knowing from my own experience of playing, you know, dozens of hours of the games before mm-hmm. how like what weapons and what things I like and what I don't like. Yeah. When you unlock weapons you by spending cells in the kind of intermediary areas between um, yeah. between the game levels, they it just kind of throws them into the random assortment. Yeah, it just goes game, into the pool. The, uh, yeah. 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 The weapons that you could be served. Yeah. And so I'm kind of at this point uh a little disincentivized from unlocking anything else because it would just make the things that I actually want. Of course it reduces less the odds of, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean there's a bit of that in, in Black Future but like the twist is that like as you so as you're playing like any anything you leave on the ground so like currency or health items or whatever the so sky melt the tower absorbs it and gets more powerful so as mm. you as you level up you unlock more stuff for you to use but you also unlock more stuff that the tower can do 
to you as well, um, which is kind of terrifying. When it absorbs a certain weapon, does it uh, does it take on characteristics of that particular power set, or is it just kind of a base level of becoming so more powerful? It doesn't absorb weapons, which is really useful because obviously there are times when you won't necessarily want to pick a new weapon up because you'll prefer what you currently have, which is which is useful. So yeah, it's just like currency and ammo and health and stuff that it absorbs. Thankfully, um, that would be really cool though if it was yeah the the type of weapon. Um, sort of affected what it did, but yeah. Well, maybe in a Black Future 89, they can circle around. I mean, they've had 87 to get comfortable to this point. (laughs) It's one of the things that I, one of the jokes that I've used on Twitter multiple times, and I'm going to reuse here again, is uh, when we get to the year 2063, like, I'm really curious what they're going to do with like Madden and FIFA because there already is a Madden 64 and a FIFA 64. So yeah, we'll have gone full circle. What's going to happen? Yeah, well, we're already at the point now, right? Where we're like, what what are we in now? Are we in the 20s or are we in the the 2020s? Like, do we have to differentiate now? I think we do. But. That's one of the things is that like I can only speak from experience of having lived within one century, yeah. but <laughs> I assume. Everyone just always referred to, you know, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s and knew what everyone was talking about. But I don't know if it's the fact that we had film and photograph in the 1920s that makes that feel more present than uh, previous decades, which might have disappeared. Yeah, like relatively easily accessible cultural stuff. Like, I mean, the logical assumption would be that you were talking about the 8020s, you know, and the journeys of the Apostle Paul and all of that or whatever. (laughs) But like nobody... Nobody assumes that. It's always the 1920s, so yeah. I don't know why yeah. that is. Anyways, yeah. let's get into another piece of music here. This is a, uh, a strong favorite of mine over the last year. Um, <laughs> so much so that it almost kind of ruined the way that I played through the game, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to that. But um, this is a piece called Urban Uprise, composed by Dan Murdoch from Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. Um, I listened to the soundtrack before playing the game because I was putting together the sound of play kind of end of year music Mm -hmm. mix uh, towards the end of last year. And so that game came out right at the very tail end of the year. And so I had to kind of dig into the soundtrack to pick out a music sample before I could actually play the game. So this piece immediately stood out to me as being um, one of the really strong pieces on the album. Uh, I really, really love it. I love it so much that when I actually got around to playing the game, you know, I, I went through the levels that I needed to go through to unlock the progression gates to get to later levels because I wanted to find the level with this song in it <laughs> and experience it in game, not knowing that actually traversing the overworld map in ukulele is not difficult, but a little bit more trouble than, you know, it's it's very kind of uh, labyrinthine and, and maze-like. And mm-hmm. so if you end up, say, skipping... <laughs> a large portion of the game (laughs) and not really internalizing uh, the map as it continues to grow and expand, you have a pretty good chance of uh, not being able to find your way to anything (laughs) that you were supposed to be able to uh, much earlier in the game. So when I had to go back and revisit earlier levels, I spent way more time than I had to. Um, And I only discovered towards the very, very tail end of my second playthrough that there was a uh, like a generous warp function on the (laughs) map that I could have used the entire time. So 
all for naught. But anyways, I would say that this song, this song was worth all the trouble. I, I love the piece. I mean, did, could you not have just gone on? I mean, well, no, you were already listening to it outside of the game, right? So you, yeah, you I just, just wanted, wanted to, to hear it in context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, fair enough. Have you had songs like that where you knew the piece of music and you were just kind of dying to hear it in the context of the game? I don't know. Or is I'm it always to... the other way around where you discover it through the game? I think, yeah, I think you usually discover it through. I, yeah, I'm trying to think of an instance where I listened to it. Uh, do you know what? Uh, actually, the No Man's Sky soundtrack. Mm, yeah, I listened to all of that. Bef- I think that came out before the game, right? I think so. But then that was really jarring because that just felt like you know, like so some of the little stings they use from the from the soundtrack mm-hmm. in the game. It was like I don't know when you, your brain's expecting to hear the rest of the song, but actually they just take two bars <laughs> from one bit and try and sort of do it as a jingle. I, I found that really strange. Yeah, that's that is one of those kind of all time great <laughs> video game soundtracks. Yeah. I would say. I mean, yeah, it yeah. almost doesn't count. It's pretty much just a 65 Days of Static album. Well, yeah, but... I was, yeah, I was, I was going to make this observation one of my later <laughs> choices, but we'll we'll get onto that. In a bit. Oh, okay. Well, we won't spoil it then. <laughs> Anyways, let's listen to Urban Uprise by Dan Murdoch from Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. <laughs> another piece from a recent video game (laughs) this is a request from the forum from flabio who says time spinner is a fun metroidvania game that borrows quite a lot of its game design from symphony of the night so it's not that surprising that the soundtrack does too this is probably the most castlevania it gets and uh that's not wrong this is a piece called defiance by jeff ball i've uh i've 
dabbled in time spinner just the first kind of few minutes i i I hop into the opening sections of games a lot just because i'm curious Mm -hmm. Uh, which is why i always implore um developers to uh put your control tutorials in the second level as well (laughs) it would really uh really help people like me out a lot but maybe i'm just a very specific case Um, have you played any time spinner do you know i haven't and i really should because um i love a metroidvania and i've heard this Mm -hmm. is a very good one so um yeah i don't know why i keep overlooking it um because i know it's you know whenever there's a, a sale on the switch it always seems to seems to be in there so yeah i've been meaning to check it out yeah it, i think it was kind of uh quiet when it launched but mm. since then i've kind of heard more voices kind of chiming up about how how high quality the game is yeah yeah yeah. i mean did this come out i'm just trying to think was this maybe overshadowed by hollow knight somewhat um i don't know what the timing was though maybe not hollow knight would have been a year earlier but then again you know i think hollow knight kind of got a stronger second wind when it released in 2018 on the switch yeah exactly uh but yeah i this one is a part of game pass for pc so people probably already have access to it and can go in and hop in find out for themselves there's a little bit of a, a more of a magic casting focus than um than the uh, typical Metroidvania type Uh of game. Although I know that's always been a part of the Castlevanias, but, uh, you know, a little bit more kind of ranged uh, weaponry and and stuff like that. Um, But uh, yeah, it seems interesting. I'm, I'm definitely up for giving that second level a go. (laughs) But anyways, this is Defiance by Jeff Ball.
let's get into your next pick here. This is from a uh, favorite of yours and everyone yeah. <laughs> from last year. Um, so this is Space uh, from the Outer Wilds by Andrew, is it Pralau or Pralov? I don't know if that, what the pronunciation is. I think mm. I'll say Pralau. Um, so this is the song that plays when you when you go into space, obviously. Um, and if, you know, you're just kind of flying around the solar system with, you know, not necessarily with any objective in mind. I just love, like, there's just some really great imagery in it, right? Like, it's, because obviously... <laughs> In case you're not aware, The Outer Wilds is this sort of space exploration game where you're you're constantly stuck in this time loop. So, you know, you constantly, like, you, you play the game for 20, is it 22 minutes, 24 minutes, something like that, mm-hmm. and then the sun explodes and then you die and then you start over again. Or you can die for other reasons and reset the loop more quickly if you want. But it's, and, the, and there's this constant mix of, you know, it's the sort of the, the beauty and terror of space exploration, especially because you know this sort of home planet of yours for some like for some reason they've they've like mastered space exploration but the ships are half built out of wood right and everything's a bit sort of i don't know like sort of has a weird sort of kit bash feel to it mm. so that's sort of echoed in like a lot of the soundtrack there's there's a lot of synths which is the you know the the sciencey bit but then there's a lot of folk instruments as well which is you know really nice contrast in the way it sort of echoes this this strange feel that you know you you're flying around in this sort of rickety wooden spaceship and then also in this piece you've got like there's this weird, like the percussion is like this sort of clacking sound that kind of sounds like a, a clock ticking and also a lot of samples. It's like sometimes playing forwards, but sometimes in reverse as well, which again, sort of suggesting this constant sort of back and forth in, mm. in time. And I just think it's it's a beautiful piece because you, like all the, the stress of the, the game is when usually when you're like on or around a, a planet, right? Although space in its sort of infinite nothingness is kind of terrifying, there's a there's a peaceful aspect to it as well and the, and this piece of music really sort of tries to nail that down i think it's just like look you're, it's okay you're in space you've successfully taken off and at some point you will have to land again but for now <laughs> you're just floating and it's fine and nothing's gonna hit you probably and yeah it, it just really captures that sort of majesty of that i think and again this sort of you know the, the sort of clacking that sounds like a clock it's sort of as you fly off your home planet and suddenly you're seeing the solar system all you know everything sort of swirling around and because the you know the whole thing of the game is that everything's working on this sort of really precise like clockwork right there's like there's all these events like every every 22 minute loop the same events are happening at the same time you know over and over again and again it's just sort of yeah it's nice to see that sort of echoed in the soundtrack by this sort of this sort of clacking sound and sort of reminding you that this is essentially as you, you know you're flying up off this planet you're essentially looking at like like the workings of a clock in a, in a way mm. yeah as I, yeah I just think it's a, a fascinating beautiful piece of music and it just every time I take off um, and hear this it's, it's become one of those games I've still not finished it right because I'm scared mm. of running out of it because I'm, I feel like the, <laughs> like the magic of it is just going to go right and I, I want to be able to go back and, and keep experiencing this so yeah so I keep putting off like actually finishing it because I want to just sort of keep it in my back pocket and remember how cool it is to explore space um <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it's, this this piece really sort of typifies that for me. I think feels like a um, like a kind of logical extension on kind of the furthest branch into one particular style of video games. That mm. you know, it's it's just like they finally kind of cracked a code as to how to make exploration viable as yeah. kind of the sole focus of a video game. And mm. there's so many games where it's pretty obvious that the thing that people enjoy most about it is the exploration. Mm-hmm. But it's always kind of peppered with like other little bits of gameplay yeah. and, and 
other genre stuff kind of here and there combat or more kind of puzzly stuff this does mm. have puzzly stuff but yeah you know it's just it, it's it's gratifying to see this level of just kind of pure curiosity driving a game rather than having to feel like there has to be something else to you know, do in a way yeah like the the fascination is just how do I get around in space or on other planets where things don't necessarily work how I would imagine mm-hmm. they would or how I'm used to. And it's, yeah, it's, you, you really get the sense that the developers are, are just in love with that. Like the, you say the curiosity of that and how things might work on other planets and how, you know, how you get around in an environment that wasn't built for you to live in it necessarily. Yeah. This is called space from outer wilds.
All right, let's move on to, this is a game that I haven't played, but uh, it's a soundtrack that I discovered and I've uh, really enjoyed the soundtrack. It's a, a beautiful, um, entire soundtrack is full of these really lovely, um, I, I want to call it like chamber, I don't know the terminology, but. Is it just, is it just a string quartet, I think? Yeah, it must yeah. be just a quartet. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is from a game called Seasons After Fall, which has a very kind of nature-y feeling to it. And so in as such, they wanted to uh, create something that felt kind of natural and minimal at the same time. And uh, this piece in particular called Creek by, I'm going to guess here, uh, Jan van der Kruisen. Kruisen, yeah. Kruisen, Kruisen, yeah. (laughs) All right. I've never been the best with names. Yeah, this this piece in particular is very lively, very energetic, very very springy. It reminds me a lot of uh, one of my favorite pieces. Um, there's a, a great video of them recording it on YouTube. Is a, a piece called Attaboy, which is performed by uh, Chris Thyle, Edgar Meyer, Stuart Duncan, and Yo-Yo Ma mm-hmm. as a quartet um, performing this really, really lively, really celebratory, but really just kind of achingly beautiful quartet piece with... Um, you know, different types of stringed instruments that you might not be used to hearing together and just anything with a cello in it. Cello is the sexiest instrument as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) like has a beautiful, really like deep woody sound to it that I just can't get enough of. And, uh, this, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I I really enjoy this piece. It's it's peaceful, but, uh, has that energy that get up and go to it as well. (laughs) So I'm, I'm really glad you picked this because, um, when I was going through, um, the dark and just making sure I'd actually heard everything before we recorded. So I'd forgotten that this game existed, but I re- but listening to this, so this was the song that they used in one of the early trailers for it, mm. and I remember loving it then. Um, so then when I was listening, I was like, oh my god, it's it's this, it's this game. <laughs> like I completely, <laughs> I completely forgotten what it was called. I wasn't even sure if or when it had come out. Uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. It's this there's, there's one bit in it. Um, like the whole thing's good. Uh, there's one bit towards the end where there's like they sort of uh, they change chord, but then it's sort of resolved via a sort of pitch bent note. Mm. Anyone who's actually got a musical education is probably really annoyed at me right now. But <laughs> it's oh, it's just incredible. It's so good. Like just that one bit, I could listen to it on a loop over and over again. But yeah, the the whole thing is just really good fun. And yeah, and like the yeah, it's really cool. There's a version on YouTube. You can see them actually playing it. There's not not enough mm. of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Game, especially game soundtracks yeah I, I think the the one that i always go back to with those live performances are those uh mario kart 8 yeah. uh soundtrack recordings and mm-hmm. i love the the when they recorded the big blue um piece for the dlc mm-hmm. or was it a uh, mute city one of the metal um not metal gear f-zero tracks mm. just how much fun it looked like everyone yeah. in the studio <laughs> was having <laughs> have you ever seen the splatoon ones uh i'm not sure i've seen uh i've seen some of the videos of the like hologram live concerts oh, but God. i've never seen them actually recording the music oh they freak me out but yeah there's yeah there's loads <laughs> of stuff on youtube of them yeah just the actual recording sessions and it's fascinating because there's all the you know all those sort of weird distorted vocals in the soundtrack and then seeing mm, yeah. people actually singing them is is for some reason but it's good that's one of the things i always wonder when they do uh pitch bending to make mm-hmm. voices sound higher or distorted or something and mm-hmm. have to record a song that way mm. i guess they must just have to pitch bend the original track downwards to the same degree that they would pitch the voice up and then just have them sing that version of it but 
Yeah, so Maybe, I guess the I mystery know. isn't that too extreme, but it, <laughs> it just always feels a little bit like, how do they do that? <laughs> how does it still sound that good? Uh, I, I do regularly um, circle back to, speaking of pitch bent music, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with the song we're going to listen to, but uh, the um, the piece from the Nobi Nobi Boy soundtrack of him singing over the motocross. Oh theme, my God, so good. I, I I can't hear the original piece of music without no, no. singing along myself. <laughs> it's the way it, it cuts to, yeah, so it's like the singular voice and then, it, you know, towards the end it all sort of explodes and it's like that whole quiet, no, be, no, be, no. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> what a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Boy, I gotta finish Wadham. I've not played it. I've not played it yet. I need to, I need to fix that. It's uh, it's quite interesting. There's mm-hmm. a little bit more, just kind of like you know, chuffing about not really doing that much. Mm-hmm. Then uh, it, you know, it, it kind of keeps the pace you would expect from a Nobi Nobu Boy type game. Yeah. But I think there's uh, there's just enough really kind of funny and really interesting stuff sprinkled throughout. There's mm-hmm. uh, probably about three quarters of the way through the game. There is a particular. Uh, call it mission that you go on that completely changes the tone and the music and everything and it's just the funniest thing because you've been conditioned to expect the game to behave in such a way Mm -hmm. to that point that uh i'm not going to spoil it but it's just uh it's a really really funny and really uh really expertly um crafted tonal shift (laughs) but anyways we're uh we've talked far away from seasons after fall so let's uh, let's get back to this piece of music (laughs) this is called creek Thank you. 
This next piece of music is this a is this a uh, representing the let's say chemical construct? I was going to say yeah. So the yeah the title of the piece is NO two, but I presume it's yeah nitrogen dioxide. I guess mm-hmm. um, yeah all the um, all the songs on this soundtrack are yeah different chemical compounds. So this is this is from Surviving Mars, uh, composed by George Stratsov. So this is I've only started playing this the other week. This this was off the back of me watching all four seasons of The Expanse on Amazon mm. and then needing another sort of, you know, sci-fi fix. So I decided to start playing Surviving Mars because it's on Game Pass and I quite like the sound of it anyway. It's a really interesting game because you, like, you know, it's a game about, yes, yeah, so you, you know, you're sort of managing the, the first settlers on Mars and trying to, you know, build a little um, colony and basically just, just trying to get by. But it does this really good job of, you know, you, obviously your your view of the world is like you're looking down at Mars, right? And you're sort of moving around and you you know, telling people where to go or put buildings in or, or whatever. So you're constantly looking at this sort of macro picture of everything. But then it, the game really likes to remind you that these are real people that you've brought to a uh, you know a planet um, that was not built for life as as we know mm. it, and was not you know we're not designed to survive in this environment. And it's kind of you know it can be stressful, and but also it, it's this sort of weirdly sort of noble beautiful thing you're doing that it's the first you know it's it's mankind becomes a a two-planet species you know and a lot of that comes through the soundtrack as well because like the soundtrack could have it's one of those games the soundtrack could have basically not been there right it could have just been furniture it could have just sat in the background and you know some you know some sort of pleasant enough orchestral stuff with a few synths thrown in for good measure because it's science fiction um would have done the job and there is a lot of that but there's these occasional moments where it really like bowls you over because like this piece in particular it's just this incredible sort of you know it's only like three and a half minutes long but it just builds and builds and builds over that time and towards you know in sort of the final minute there's just the incredible just this swelling of this this string orchestra and it's really emotional like you you know you just sort of you're playing this game and you you know you're ordering drones around you're like right build another dome here i need a, a water extractor here do this do some you know bring up the research menus da, da, da. and then like one of these pieces of music kicks in and you're like oh my god i've brought like 30 people away from their lives on earth <laughs> and now i've got to look after them and it's <laughs> and it's it's just strange like it, it's just the way it humanizes it through these you know little interactions and stories that happen in the game with your your colonists and then like I say, is that he's then sort of brought home with this, you know, some of these these bits of the soundtrack that are just like incredibly emotional. And again, it's this reminder that you, you're doing this kind of insane but brilliant thing of colonizing a, another planet. I just, yeah, I was just really surprised by by how beautiful some bits of the soundtrack are. 
yeah, I just 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 really pleasantly surprised by it. And like I say, I, it, whenever this song comes on, I have to sort of I'll sort of stop for a minute and zoom in on some of my domes and be like, "How is everyone? Is everyone okay?" Because you, you know you can zoom right in, you can see everyone walking around, going to their you know day job, picking up food, whatever, and you can see the you know their current mental state and now you know their health and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It, it's just this strange reminder that real people are involved. Well, they're not. It's a computer game, but you know what I mean. Um, they're not just you know stats on a spreadsheet. They're little mm-hmm. guys running around trying to survive on this hellish planet that they've all come to for some reason. How was the learning curve on this game? Pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of tutorials, and I thought I could get away with skipping half of them, and then it turned out I didn't know a ton of useful stuff. Um, but if you can basically, if you can just accept that your first session on this will probably just be doing tutorials, um, beyond that you're fine because it kind of you start out with like so you start with like no people, right? It's just you have some like worker drones and a ship um, that's just landed. Um, so you kind of want to just, you see, you, you start building your infrastructure before you start bringing people in, right? So it's kind of as stressful as you want it to be because it's it's as it grows that it starts getting more complicated and you start wanting to bring, um, you know, more people in because more people can build more stuff and more more advanced stuff and do more research. But then once you bring more people in, you need more, um, you know, water and food and oxygen. And then you need, as you need more of those, that's more infrastructure that you have to worry about maintaining with drones. And it, everything you add creates like another need somewhere else, right? So, you know, the, so the learning curve's okay. Like you, it starts out simple enough and you can buy, you know, you can just install like a pre-built dome that has an air supply, water supply, um, load of food. And so you, you kind of, you're basically okay, but then it's like, you know, in a, like two months time, how are, you, how are you still doing? Like this, things start to break down and, um, you know, resources start to, you know, run scarce and stuff. And it's how you manage those shortages and, and your own expansion um, at the same time. So yeah, it's it's not too intimidating at all, I think. And you can play it all with a controller as well. That's the other question I get a lot. It's that it's like, because mm. it's on Game Pass and people say, oh, I wanted to try it, but it look, kind of looks like a PC game, which it does. Um, but yeah, you can totally play it with a controller. It's fine. Yeah, I... Uh... I tend to find these uh, types of games to be really relaxing when you get in the groove of them, but sometimes yeah. just kind of starting out can be really stressful. I guess what they say, what, what surfing is like, where it just takes a while to get <laughs> standing on your feet in the first place. And then once you kind of find the wave, then you can mm-hmm. continue riding it. Yeah. So I always remember like whenever I start in uh, city skylines, you know, at the very beginning, I would I would drag out a big, long road and be like, OK, this is going to be my main street. I'm going to make it long because I I don't know how long because I don't have any frame of reference at that point, <laughs> but I don't want to make it too short. Yeah. And so I find that I drag out the amount of road that I think I'm going to need and have found that I've spent too much money and so that I can't <laughs> afford to place other things that I need. And then it's just kind of a downward spiral of just going into debt. But if mm. I can you know, appropriately size a a small town center at the beginning of the game, then it all kind of grows at a reasonable rate from there. And mm-hmm. I can continue kind of keeping that balance throughout. But yeah, you know, those, those first few decisions that you make can really make or break the entire session. <laughs> yeah. You see, um, like with surviving Mars, you sort of, once you've like done your, your first game on it and you've spent, you know, five hours on it, whatever you do sort of, you look at this little colony you've built and you think, okay, if I was to do this again, I would change a lot of things because I've now learned mm-hmm. like the the issues I've created as I as I've gone. But it's never enough to just like kill you, right? It's always just it's like this could be more efficient or it could look better. Like it just looks messy or or whatever. Um so yeah, it's it's not too harsh for that stuff, I don't think. All right, this is called NO2 by George Strezov from Surviving Mars. 
getting into another recent piece of music from last year. This comes from a 2018 game uh, called The Messenger, which I I just discovered in uh, Googling it now. It was not the first game called The Messenger. So going forward, The Messenger 2018, <laughs> weirdly enough. But this came from the Picnic Panic free DLC that they put out afterwards, which I, uh, as much as I love The Messenger, I still haven't gone back into the DLC. I always feel like DLC that kind of follows with enough of a window post launch or at least after the time that I played it, there's a very real possibility that I might have like kind of lost my Yeah. Or at least don't remember how to play, which I imagine there's kind of retutorializing at the beginning of the DLC, like any good kind of DLC should be able to kind of stand on its own. But yeah, I don't know. It that has made me nervous enough to not start it off yet, but I do intend to get around to it at some point. It it looks really nice. The music is great. Um the messenger is a real joy. I always feel like yeah, when there's sort of, you know, quite substantial DLC for a game that I've already played and finished, usually when I get around to checking it out, I sort of think, if I'd enjoyed this as part of the main game, or, you know, mm-hmm. all at the same time, this would have been great. But I don't know, I feel like once I've finished a game and then I go back for DLC, like part of my brain's like, oh, this is basically going to be like a sequel, right? It's going to be really different <laughs> and better. Which is, And it's not, and it shouldn't have to be. That's not what DLC is, you know? Mm-hmm. So that is unfair. But yeah, I often find like you know, so Hollow Knight is a fascinating example because there's tons of stuff in that that as someone who came to it with the Switch version, that was already that already included like three updates, mm-hmm. right? Which were quite significant expansions. So there, there are things in that game that to me are just normal, that to people who played it from day one, like those things were were late additions. They could have already played and finished the game and those things just weren't there which is insane to me. Yeah, and then that one's uh, last DLC ended up turning into a full sequel. So. Yes, yeah, yeah, which is fine. <laughs> I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, but yeah, I've not played The Messenger. I sh- should really check it out. Um, I've got it on, It was, I think it was like a Twitch Prime giveaway yeah. um, when they used yeah, to do that. Yeah, it was on Twitch think... Prime. It's, all, yeah. it's also on Game Pass. So, you know, there okay. are plenty of ways to play yeah. The Messenger and then Devolver stuff is uh, often involved in discounts yeah. and giveaways and stuff like that so you know most people probably have it somewhere yeah it's a really great game i uh i enjoy it's um one that i mean kind of famously there's a pretty significant twist that happens halfway through the game that pretty substantially changes the way that you play it mm-hmm. and i feel like it it has a pretty like it has a very solid first half the beginning the first couple hours of that second half are really good as well and then there's a little bit of a lull in pacing as you're kind of like putting pieces together and and just kind of like you know hoovering up stuff that you need from across the world but mm-hmm. um you know towards the end it, it ramps back up again and I'm, I'm really excited to go into picnic panic because something that's a little bit more uh condensed mm-hmm. and um like that i feel like that was where this game could really shine so yeah. Very cool. Uh, Rainbow Dragon Eyes did a great job with the music um, for the, both the game and the DLC. And uh, it's uh, it's just lots of fun, especially since there are two versions of each track that play into the uh, mid-game twist. But um, anyways, this is a nice 8-bit, 8-bit-ish uh, piece called Impact Zone Surf from The Messenger. <laughs>
right, uh, kicking up a piece from Little Big Planet 2, um, kind of in honor of Dreams actually releasing, which <laughs> is yeah. cool to say. <laughs> it's been it's been in the oven for so long, and then there was that early adopters, early access version that came out last year. Well, this is it. I, f- but, I feel like people mm. have had it for a while now. Um, yeah, but it's nice. Yeah, it is nice that it's it's finally. They sold out, it for like a ten dollar discount last year, and I yeah. don't know how different that version was from the final version. But then everyone who bought it at that point could, of course, upgrade to the final release, and they got some. Yeah extra goodies and stuff along with that as well. But uh, yeah, this is a piece that was requested by two people actually from uh, Hayes Hill from Twitch and Rob 25 X from the forum. Only one of them had anything to say about it, but that's okay. It says revisiting little big planet two on PS three for a few hours. I was reminded of its excellent soundtrack. This is a piece called disco divertimento duo by the Daniel Pemberton orchestra from little big planet two. This is a licensed piece of music, but uh like all little big planet music, the licensed music, uh, I feel like it fits in really well with yeah. the pieces that were composed bespoke for the games. There's a, a real energy and personality that uh, they keep, even though they are. There's a wide variety of music, but it all kind of fits into all fits into like a feeling of like I don't know. I'm just curious as to like I assume it's the same team of uh, Kenneth Young um, and and associates that are uh, curating these mm. licensed picks but they must have such interesting and eclectic music <laughs> libraries in their homes so like I'd, I'd i'd love to have a friend who can recommend like you know this type of weird music <laughs> well cause i think we we all remember when we first saw that um that sort of demo of a uh, little big planet uh, you know the first one um, mm-hmm. i think it was an a3 presentation maybe and the background music was the go team and or a song by the go team and i don't know i i that felt like a real watershed moment in terms of <laughs> games acknowledging like actual cool music, right? Right. <laughs> like they, like everyone was like, oh my God, the people who make games know about music as well, which of course they always did, right? It's just probably, this mm-hmm. is one of the first instances of them having a, having a bit of a budget and just, you know, being able to license some, some interesting stuff. But yeah, that felt like a real sort of collision of worlds, which... You know, we, we've got like, yeah, there's quite a few sort of established like musicians and bands who are getting involved in game soundtracks as well. So it's, yeah, yeah, that felt like a really big moment for some reason. I do like the Little Big Planet music, anything by Media Molecule, mm-hmm. the, um, uh, what was the one unfolded? What oh, was it? Tearaway. Uh, Tearaway. Yeah. <laughs> unfolded was the edition on the PS4. That's right. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played that, played that through on the Vita, if you remember. Yeah. If you remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I played both versions of it. It had some oh, really? Really, uh, really fantastic stuff, especially to do with the companion app. Mm-hmm. So if you ever do play it again on the PS4, it's a kind of a remake, kind of a new game yeah. in a way where it's like it takes you through the big beats of the Vita game, but there's mm-hmm. enough new content in there as well that's just like completely brand new and unexplored that okay. it you know it's worth going through if you enjoyed it on the vita yeah 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 cool but it has some really great uses of the uh, companion app um there's a feature where somebody using the companion app you know a player two in a way can take pictures using the phone's camera right and then for the next like you know seven seconds everything that the character touches becomes textured with that picture <laughs> okay <laughs> so you know whether uh whether they're uh, taking pictures of themselves, making funny faces, mm-hmm. or whether they're, you know, sending in pictures of 
naughty stuff or whatever it is. Yeah, like yeah, it, there's not? ways to break that world <laughs> in many funny ways. <laughs> I, I really enjoy um, media molecules output, uh, how kind of creative and how inviting it is for players to get involved and create things of their own. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited to dive into deem to dreams. I've, um, I've played a session or two of it so far and it's all been kind of tutorials at this point. Mm. Um, it feels a little like the kind of game that I wish I had when I was in college and had yeah. infinite free time to create <laughs> things. It's kind of a game where yeah. like I see the potential there, but I look at my schedule and I just don't see myself spending the time to actually like create anything of value. Yeah. But, same. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in it. And, uh, you know, it it is fun to just kind of like search the search the uh, the not the store, but the the player created content and just see what people have made to this point. There's some really impressive yeah. stuff. There's some really goofy stuff. I searched <laughs> I searched for Banjo Kazooie uh, in hopes that somebody would have uh, recreated one of the levels, <laughs> and uh, and there's this this really funny um, somebody remade Spiral Mountain, and it plays the music from the N64 game, but like the character model is like super stiff and doesn't move. It just kind of T poses around the level and everything looks like really, really hacky and goofy, yeah. but it's like really endearing <laughs> just hearing the real music alongside this, uh, obviously like cardboard version that somebody, uh, put together in a, uh, character creator. But I do, I anyways. do like the idea of having a game where like, well, loading it up is just like turning on the radio, right? Where uh-huh. you don't necessarily know what you're going to play. Like you just want to have, you know, just let it fling stuff at you and and see what happens. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's so much really interesting stuff in Little Big Planet. So many like so many fun evenings with just you know just mates sitting around and like, what's the weirdest thing that we can find? And so we'd search for. Yeah, you know, there were some Little Big Planet levels based on anything you could think of because they uh, carried forward the levels from game to game as well. So they would all accumulate over time. So (laughs) levels based on uh, Earth Defense Force. Yep, they have it. Really? Levels based on Tommy Wiseau's The Room movie. (laughs) There are plenty and uh, of of varying levels of of quality and investment from the creators. But uh, really, really tremendous stuff. Um, I'm... I feel like, gosh, there probably are YouTube channels that are dedicated to just exploring this content, but I feel mm-hmm. like it should be cataloged and especially yeah. the really weird, bad stuff. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel yeah. like deserves a place to, to live on. But <laughs> this is a disco divertimento duo from little big planet too. <laughs>
we have one track to listen to left today and what a high energy piece it is to take us out of the show (laughs) (laughs) but before we do that, we'd like to remind everyone to venture over to our forum at canonrince.com slash forum. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at canonrince, and uh, you can, uh, I think we still have a Facebook page. That's that's probably still something that exists. I've uh, I've deactivated Facebook after it became an unhappy place a few years back. Yeah. But, um, Don't blame yeah, me. I, I think that still exists. But anyways, <laughs> you can request your own favorite pieces of video game music. We will play them on future Sounds of Play. We have uh, other podcasts on the network. Candle Rinse comes out on Mondays. Playwright comes out on Thursdays. And The Sausage Factory comes out on Fridays. We have a Patreon as well. You know what to do. <laughs> and uh, But more than anything else, I would like to thank our good friend Sean Bell for coming on the show again and ask if you have anything that you would like to draw folks' attention to. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, the Computer Game Show it is a podcast where for white men talk about what they've been playing and answer <laughs> questions. It's really original, um, but it's incredibly good fun and people seem to like it. If you want to find, I mean, obviously, yeah, search for The Computer Game Show on whatever podcast app you use or go to thecomputergameshow.com. We also do streams fairly regularly and there's, yeah, we have a Patreon and then there's secret Patreon stuff there as well. Um, yeah, it's it's the most like successful like podcasting on the internet with, with that's it. a really bold thing of you yeah. to make in um, the entire world <laughs> no the most successful thing that i've ever done which after you know 14 years on and off of doing this like finally getting like some regular income from it is an incredible um thing to be able to claim so it's uh, yeah we really and really, really as a married man and as a father that's that's a really high bar that's set already yes. and for the podcast yeah. to really kind of yeah. supersede <laughs> even those is uh tremendous it really says a lot yeah. about either the podcast or the marriage <laughs> Um, but yeah, so yeah, computergameshow.com. I mean, obviously, if you listened two weeks ago, you already know all this, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, yep, always uh, consistently fun. But uh, speaking of consistently fun and always a good laugh, <laughs> let's get into this last piece of music. It's a uh, another one that is familiar to, uh, in, in a similar way that the Outer Wilds piece was familiar. This is a piece of music that you hear when you leave your home base every single day. And That's so true. it's a piece that kind of comes back and back and back again. Yeah. And you become like a warm blanket wrapped around you. <laughs> yeah, except where that warm blanket is like a kind of messed up war-torn sea <laughs> um, full of people living in poverty. And, okay, so this is uh, Instrument of Surrender uh, from Disco Elysium. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, if, if you're not familiar with Disco Elysium, you probably will be by now. But um, yeah, it's a, essentially a sort of a point and click adventure game, but sort of wears the trappings of a uh, like a tabletop RPG in that you have all these different skills, which are all different elements of your own brain. Um, and as you're talking to people, those different elements of your own brain will will kick in and have things to say and advice and some of it's good and some of it's bad. Um, and it's and all, like all that stuff is really fascinating. All the system stuff, all the dialogue is like absolutely incredible. It's the best written game ever made, like hands down. But a, you know, a real star of the show is the world itself, and it's um, you know you you're in this uh, this place called this uh, the city called Revachol, which is this sort of fictional, sort of French styled. Um, fictional country in this this fictional world that you know uh, sort of forty years ago was uh, there was like a, a communist revolution that overthrew this like incredibly corrupt sort of royal family, but then shortly after the you know the rest of the world is governed by um, this sort of fiercely uh, sort of centrist 
uh, force called the Moral Intern, and they sort of basically went right. No, you, this is too left wing. We're not having it. We're gonna we're gonna invade you now and stop that. And you sort of and a lot of the, the the stuff in the game deals with this this sort of aftermath, and you've got people who there's like some people who were still loyal to the. Uh, the monarchy, when that used to exist, and some who are, you know, still really upset about the whole, you know, communism getting um, wiped out, and and a lot of people who are just kind of accepting the status quo because what else are they supposed to do? But overall, it's a game that's really sort of maybe not cynical, but certainly critical of power structures and ideologies but really believes in the people that are forced to live under them right it's a game where mm-hmm. kind of whatever opinion you have on things the game kind of calls you an idiot but but all the people like you're just surrounded by people who are trying their best right they're just trying to get by in not a brilliant situation this song um as ryan says it's it's the song that plays as you are just walking around town and i think it the way it encompasses that sort of mindset is just brilliant because it's it's really sad, but but occasionally there's there's glimmers of hope in it. It's kind of a mess, but never. It's not like total chaos. There is, you know, it is a piece of music. It's not just a load of noises thrown together. There's like there is, you know, some sort of structure there. It's just incredibly loose. And again, that sort of, which sort of feels analogous to the the fact that there's you're in this area of this city that's kind of. I don't know. It, it's just getting by, however it can, really. Like it's there are people living there, and there are houses, and they, you know, they have jobs. But it's just not in a way that you would necessarily recognise as a, a normal person living on Earth in in twenty twenty. Yeah, I just this piece is just it, it's kind of the way it's presented in the game. I think is a bit more laid back. I think the actual, you know, the, the sort of album version um, is a bit more intense because if you know it gets quite. Um, you know, it's quite a cacophony towards the end. And I think if that was playing as you're just trying to walk around town talking to people, probably be a bit much. Um, but I think, yeah, I just think it's it's absolutely beautiful. And it's fascinating that this is by uh, British Sea Power, right? Like, I think a lot of people didn't even realise this until they finished the game and it popped up in the credits because they are a band that have existed for, I think, sort of 10, 15 years now, um, at least. Um and it was cool that like so the like the the No Man's Sky reference earlier, like you were saying it kind of that basically might as well have just been a sixty five days of static album. Whereas this, um, you know, British Sea Power doing the Disco Elysium soundtrack is quite a. De- I mean, it's you know, it's, you can tell it's them. I think, but it's it is quite a departure from their a lot of their usual stuff. And it feels like they really they really bought into what they were working on. They didn't just make an album and go, well, there you go, use it how you want. Like it's, it's so closely fits the tone of the game that you can tell like, you know, some real, real collaboration has gone on there. But yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's absolutely stunning. There's so, like, there's so much good stuff on the soundtrack. There's probably one other piece on the soundtrack that kind of tops this one, but in order to explain why I'd have to spoil loads of stuff. So I decided not to pick it for this show. But yeah, I yeah, I just absolutely adore this. Yeah, this this piece feels uh, kind of weirdly diegetic as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a lot of echoing like it's kind of an actual uh, especially that those opening bars like an actual uh yeah, trumpet or french horn or whatever it is kind of echoing through the streets and um you know, you, you don't really get a sense of like what is fictional what is wrapper around this world and what is actually a part of the world. And, and yeah. I, I think the game consistently kind of breaks expectations in that way, does things that should be impossible. I mean, on one hand, because the main character is, 
a drug addict who's uh, kind of suffering, um, you know, lapses in, uh, in, in his own kind of personal experiential reality. But mm-hmm. also it's just, there are, there are things that seem impossible or that seem like magical realists that other people comment upon. Yeah. And so you have that kind of affirmation that like strange things actually are happening. Yeah. Almost like the world <laughs> is just so depressed that it too is going through its own alcoholic bender. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like you say, you, yeah, every time you emerge from this, this sort of hotel that you're staying in and this song's playing, it's like, yeah, you could imagine there's just like some crappy speakers hanging out outside that are playing it. It's weird. I don't know if it's something to yeah, do with yeah. the way they've produced it. Like if it's filtered somehow that it, I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. There's a, there's one point in the game. Um, I, I experienced it very late in the game, but you could probably come to it much earlier where, and again, without talking about specifics, there's a, a point where you get to, uh, you get to you have the uh, choice of participating in some graffiti. Yes, there are. Uh, this was one of the points where I I did have to save scum a little bit because there were just so many options in there. I wanted to see the ramifications. Oh, of. some of them are so good. <laughs> there's there's one in particular where you just see it and you're like, oh, I have to see how this how this works out. <laughs> I think I know the one you mean, and it, yeah, it turns out there are there are key players uh, involved that cannot read, and so it you know, it's uh, a <laughs> it, it doesn't hit as hard as you were hoping it would, but it's still. <laughs> uh, but yeah. there's, there's so many pleasant surprises throughout the game of uh, just things that like you would just never expect them to to pursue rabbit trails as far as they do, yeah. but. God, you're so glad when you arrived there that they did decide to put that much time and attention into what seems like a completely, you know, disparate thing at the the very edges of the world that are contingent upon eight layers of random chance to even experience <laughs> it in the first place. And the, yeah, and this is it. And and like as this, you know, as I was saying, like so much about the tone of it is that a lot of those things you go out of your way to find or whatever are like really funny or heartwarming or. <laughs> hopeful and like it could be so easy for this game like you could describe this game in a way that makes it sound really cynical and like it just mm-hmm. hates people but it doesn't it loves them like in a way that very few games do i think like i say it's just maybe cynical about the um the systems that those people have to live under mm-hmm. but yeah it's yeah that's that tone is just just a very oddly specific thing and i, I don't think i've seen anything like it in a game before or heard anything like it in a game before well on that this is instrument of surrender by british sea power from disco elysium we'll leave you with that today and uh thanks for listening tune in next week <laughs>